0: We don't care what your religion is, we don't care what organization
1: you belong to, we don't care how far in school you went or didn't go, we don't care what kind of job you have, we have to give you credit for shocking the white man by not letting him divide you
0: and use you one against the other. In the past. The greatest weapon the white man has had has
1: been his ability to divide and conquer. How do they do it?
0: Divide and conquer. If I take my hand and slap you, you don't even feel it. It might sting you because these digits are separated. But all I have to do to put you back in your place is bring those digits together. Greetings, Black family, and welcome to On the Wake Up Radio. I am your host, DC Radical One, and you have entered the center. Shout out to our wonderful producer, Cindy Ashby. You can check us out on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and iHeartRadio at On the Wake Up Radio. You can also... Check us out on on the wake up radio.com, and you can also check out my page on otwtube.com. That's otwtube.com. And the reason I want you to check that out is because I put up a couple of videos related to today's topic. And those videos cannot be posted on this current platform without being taken down. So instead of the direct frontal assault, I decided to uh, do the intelligent thing and post it where it could be posted and kept up and people can check it out for themselves. And so be sure to go to OTW tube and check out my DC Radical One page there. I have uploaded I think about three or four videos as well as uh, a flyer for an upcoming event. So um, also my microphone came in. So y'all let me know how my microphone is sounding. My microphone is good. Give me a thumbs up. It's a brand new microphone um, and I haven't really tested it because it didn't arrive when it was supposed to arrive. So. First of all, uh BB for and a BB to me to Philly e babe. Of course, our wonderful producer is here. Uh, peace and black supremacy to I Allen, BB a to Sisy Nessa, and Straight Black Pride. Um let's see, great afternoon, the unique one express. And I think that I have everyone so far. So First and foremost, I have an announcement that I think you all will like. Some of you all probably already know this, but for those that do not, and for those that will watch the video later, you all have been asking me, hey, what's going on with Brother Genie? Where's Brother Genie? When's Brother Genie going to do something else? Brother Genie hiding out, so forth and so on, right? And I told y'all he's doing well. He's working on some things. So. Here we are. Coming up, right. March 1st, straight black prior to Sister Misty. Uh, March 1st, 6 p.m. in person, and it is supposed to be live streamed. COVID-19 gateway. To the apocalypse. Of course, this will be at E Life Vegan Cafe, ninety-one eighty-five Central Avenue, Capital Heights, Maryland, two zero seven four three. It's twenty-five dollars in advance via Eventbrite. Thirty-five dollars at the door, and the Eventbrite keyword is COVID nineteen gateway to the apocalypse. And of course, as we see here, we have a picture of. William Gates. And uh believe he's holding a vial. It's a very interesting flyer because we also have some other information back there. Look like we got little Nas X got George Floyd being murdered. And so I talked to Jenny, but I actually have not talked to him about this lecture at all. So he has something in store for you. And, uh, Hopefully what he has in store for you is different from what I have in store for you today. In fact, I know it is because I pretty much left out uh, Gates and Fauci out of today's discussion. Just with the thought that he will cover that and has covered that uh, before. But what we're going to talk about today is can black people really trust the medical industry? And we're going to use historical documentation um, and visual documentation to discuss this subject. Because, of course, in the time that we are in, where we are in the midst of a proclaimed worldwide pandemic, uh, we are in a situation where we are literally at the mercy of those in the medical field where in many instances, our economic livelihood may well be at stake. Obviously our health is at stake, that goes without saying. And really the the shape of the world going forward is very much dependent on the things that are being done in this day and time and how the world is shaped based on the information that is put out by those in the medical industry, including Mr. Fauci, World Health Organization, and entities like that. Right? bb to you got ripped off. Again, thank you for the donations, brother. Uh, peace and blessings to Cote Crow. And so because that is the situation we're in. That's the reason why we're having this discussion today. That's the reason why uh, Brother Genie will be doing this lecture. Uh, And it's not really a lecture, it's gonna be a little bit different format, but um, he will have some uh, much needed information. And I believe after that, there will be a uh, full on discussion about uh, solutions and ways to move forward as African people. Peace to good brother, Dawood. And so that will be, again, will be May 1st, uh, 6 p.m. The actual live stream will start at 6.30. Again, COVID-19 gateway to the apocalypse at Everlasting Life Cafe, 9185 Central Avenue, Capitol Heights, Maryland, 20743. That's $25 in advance via Eventbrite, $35 at the door. And those of you who are familiar with Brother Janie's work, which I think is almost everybody here, you've seen one of his lectures, you know it will definitely be worth it. And so I I believe right now Maryland may be at 50% capacity. I did not even ask him about the um, I didn't even ask him about that, but I believe that's where we are. So if you are in the DMV area and you want to come out or you're on the East Coast, you might want to get your tickets um, as soon as possible. Because so I have a feeling a lot of people are going to show up because a lot of people have a lot of questions about what's going on. There are a lot of um, There's a lot of information. Misinformation, there's a lot of censorship. Uh, as we know, you pretty much can't talk about COVID-19 without on social media without either a uh, label being slapped up saying uh you need to go to the CDC website for information, or without them just you know, removing your information all altogether. So with that, um, Brother Jenny will be presenting information that you can't receive uh, everywhere in the current time, and then you'll be able to make an informed uh, decision on what you want to do moving forward with your your health and your family's health. Um. Oh, okay. Is the lecture going to be as, as far as I? Well, the plan right now is to live stream the lecture. Um. It is dependent upon his website being up and running and able to handle the amount of information and make sure the stream is um make sure that the stream is a quality stream, high level of um like HD quality and sustainable and the Wi-Fi works and all and all of that stuff. So He's going to be doing that. So because it's his own website and the live stream portion of the website is the newest aspect to the website. That's why I'm saying I'm tentative and saying it will be live streamed. Um, That is the plan. You know, things don't always work the way we want them to. But one thing we do know is having me having live streamed a lecture there, we know that the facility has the capacity and the technology to be able to do it. So it's just a matter of him making sure he has the ability to do it via, via his website, because realistically, I don't think other than, you know, other than, uh, maybe Cindy's platform. I don't think anyone else would even allow him to do it. So, so if I'm sure if, if plans change, he'll let me know and I'll let you all know. And he'll probably send out an email and everything. If everyone is here, here is on the either the street Black Pride or the Warner Horizon email list, then you will receive further updates if there are any changes. But as of right now, it's in person and live streamed. It's expected to the live stream is expected to begin at 630. The doors physically open in the venue at 6 p.m. So and. For further information, as it says, email liberation at war on dot com. So hopefully that answered everybody's question with that. Um, so, you know what? Let's just really get into it. Uh, for this discussion today. I will probably have more visual documentation than I have used for any other discussion this will be almost like a mini lecture in a way. And the reason why is because what I realized is that with so much stuff going back and forth about this whole situation and what made me realize this is that I made a post on Instagram, um, maybe yesterday, maybe two days ago. I can't remember. And of course we know uh, Earl Simmons DMX has uh, has passed on. And a relative said that he had taken the shot recently. He was, um, he was, um, he had taken the shot in order to be able to travel and tour and things like that. And of course, the first story that came out when they first announced him in the hospital was that he had overdosed. That was the first story that I heard. And this family member, and then later on they said it, it was One of his sisters had said that he didn't overdose. And then there was a story that came out that said that the family was going to sue. And then you didn't see the overdose story anymore. Right. And she then that's and that was the same person that said something about the shot. And then after she said something about him having taken the shot. Now, they didn't it wasn't she didn't say he took the shot and then he just fell out and died. She didn't say that. She said he had recently taken a shot. He had suddenly, I guess a couple of days later or whatever the case was, had a heart attack. He was in the hospital. Of course, he subsequently passed on. Me posting that became very controversial because people were saying I was spreading misinformation. And, uh, you know, that's not what they said and so forth and so on. But what is happening, what I'm noticing a pattern is this. And I'm not saying it's a conspiracy or anything, but I'm, this is the pattern I'm noticing. A famous black person gets the shot, right? Famous black person then dies within a week of taking the shot. People say, oh, someone took the shot, then he died. He must have died from the shot immediately backlash comes in and then the family of the person doesn't say anything right or someone else related to the family will come out and deny it and then the whole story just disappears so the first time i saw that right was hank aaron thank hank aaron who i believe is like 87 years old something like that so for me if i'm if i live to be 87 years old and then people are like hey you have to do so and so i'm like "Bro." I've been here almost nine decades. (laughs) Whatever's going to happen at this point, it's going to happen. You know, I'm just glad to be here. Sit in my rocking chair and read these books and um, teach my grandchildren all the things that I've been through. Right? So Hank Aaron, right, 87 years old or something, took the shot publicly. Everybody know it. He did it on TV or something. Took the shot. Like uh, three days later or something, Hank Aaron is sick. Oh, Hank Aaron has passed away. And at first I didn't, I didn't dig anything of it because I didn't know he had taken the shot. So then somebody's like, man, Hank Aaron died. He just took the shot. I'm like, wait, what? Because my thought is Hank Aaron, 80 some odd years old. Why did he, why care? Why would he take it? But of course they're saying this affects elderly people more so forth. So we know, we know the whole history. So that happened. I and mean, it's like, oh, okay. You know, elderly person, elderly people die from being elderly. It happens. You don't I, you don't pay attention. Later on, uh, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, right? He's in the hospital. I was like, oh, wow, Marvelous Marvin Hagler. Then I started thinking, I'm like, man, but Marvin Hagler wasn't, not really that old. That's what I'm thinking, right? I was like, oh, wow, that's crazy. You know, black men die young, so forth, so on. And then um, Tommy Hearns, who went on to become a friend uh, who, of course, was a, uh, a boxer as well in his time and they fought each other in one of the greatest fights of all time, so forth, so on. right? Tommy Hearns was like, yeah, I talked to him. He just took the shot a couple of days before he got sick. Right? Tommy Hearns, he put it, I believe he put it, he tweeted it, I believe. And I should have brought it up, but I believe he tweeted it. Next thing you know, um, Next thing you know, his wife, but he's married to a Caucasian. It's like, oh, no, 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 that, that doesn't have anything to do with it. Blah, 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 blah. Story goes away, I believe. And I believe that Tommy Hearns basically said, I'm not saying that he died because of that. I'm simply noting that I talked to him and he had taken the shot within a few days. He was sick. Now he's not here. So he's mourning his friend. He's he's thinking, I've been talking to this guy. He been healthy, he been happy, he been fine. He told me he took the shot. I'm like, "Okay, word. Yeah, how you feel?" "Oh man, I'm cool." Next thing you know the man dead. That's all he's saying. He's not saying that these, he's not saying that the shot caused his death. He's not saying that. Right? He's not a doctor. He wasn't there. He doesn't know. But the point is is that even the mere thought by any black person That wait a minute. People take the shot. Certain people are dying. Maybe we want to look at it and see what's going on. The thought of it is being stamped out as soon as people think of it. And then you see an immediate either a backtracking or just the story is completely shut down. So I said, okay, let's talk about this but not in the modern context. We're not going to talk about the side of what it is or what it's doing. Is it killing me? We're not going to talk about any of that stuff because I expect Brother Genie to cover that on May 1st, right? Well, we're going to talk about what is the historical relationship between Black people and the medical industry. And then when we look at that, we'll be able to see. Hmm, it is possible that we may want to, based on history, not based on now, not based on conjecture, conjecture or speculation, but based on history, we may want to investigate and see: is this something that we want to do? Because there may be a risk to. Our health and the health of our children and the future of our people, if I do not do the proper investigation on what's going on. Right? Now, uh, brother, you got ripped off, said that uh wait a minute, Cicely Tyson took took the shot as well. See, I didn't I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And Sister Farnessa is saying, has anyone knows that no famous Urugu have died? You know what? I I wasn't paying attention. I I wasn't paying attention at all. So, um, I had not noticed that. To be honest, I know I saw that Prince uh, William or Philip or whoever. What is that guy? He just died. He died the same day Dmx died. And uh, you know, somebody had a funny joke said that they finally got this vampire. And I was thinking to myself, yeah they sent blade in to finally take him out cuz it seemed like he's like 975 years old so we had to get the daywalker to get him out of here but uh philly eve wait philly Babe says evacuees from the island of St. Vincent are being required to be vaccinated yeah cuz there's a yeah there's a volcano that erupted and it's reported that approximately 20,000 people have been evacuated i was going to say the island is blowing up there's a volcano and they're talking about vaccination where the island is literally on fire i had not heard that 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 doesn't make any sense the first thing should be your home is on fire it is a volcano that is erupting spewing melted rocks (laughs) into the atmosphere i like we can't even comprehend how much of a disaster a volcano is because no you know unless you live in uh, is there the active volcano in like near Seattle or something i think that's the only place i ever heard of and they're talking about the vac- talking about vaccination instead of evacuation okay hadn't heard that um yeah you yeah Philly eBay you can go ahead and post that and you got ripped off said don't forget don't forget Debo he publicly talked about getting it I had not heard again. I had not heard that. So, yeah, y'all are informing me of people that I hadn't even heard because I hadn't been paying attention and people have been dying so much in rapid, rapid succession that you kind of it's hard to keep up with who is doing what. And as for the lawyer, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I did have that in my phone. I will look for that later on toward the end of the show. So remind me to look for that and um, go over that again. Because yeah, that one was that was a great, that was the clearest connection out of everyone. Because she literally said, "I took it," and then the next day she was like, "Hey, I got to cancel what I'm doing. I'm not feeling that well." And then she then somebody else was on her account announcing she wasn't here anymore. So, like I said, we're not going to necessarily talk about that. However, it is the it is related to the subject and these things, these things are happening and no one is talking about them. There is, of course, a chance that this show will not be up long on my page. So uh, sometime within the next couple of days, it will also go up. I will put it up on my DC Radical One OTW tube page as well because I know who owns that so I'm not worried about them taking it down Um, because our wonderful producer believes in free speech okay so again that's May 1st 6pm COVID-19 gateway to the apocalypse you already know you don't want to miss it you know about brother Jenny's work so the first thing I want to talk about right because what I wanted to do it get to the very root of the medical industry as far as the interaction with black people here in America and around the world and how the medical advances of today are literally built on the backs, arms, legs, chest, heads, so forth and so on of black people. And the first person we're going to look at is we're going to look at the quote unquote father of gynecology, J. Marion Sims, and how he experimented on black women to make his so-called advances in medical knowledge. So we're going to look at this very short but informative
2: clip.
1: poor women, and especially women of color. Marion Sims is considered the father of gynecology. There is a statue devoted to Marion Sims in Central Park of all places. He was from South Carolina, but he rose to such fame and high regard uh, that his image is made forever bold and tall in New York, our nation's economic capital. Much of what we know about Marion Sims actually comes from his autobiography. He experimented on slaves to perfect uh, tools used in gynecology and procedures, and housed his slaves in the back of his house. What he called his medical suite was a shack, basically in the back of his home. He'd wake up in the middle of the night when he would, uh, as he described it, have an epiphany in the middle of the night. He'd need to go in and grab one of the slaves and put her on the operating table he would rouse Lucy or Narcha or another. Without any anesthesia or the aid of any kind of pain relief, he would begin lacerating, cutting into their uterus, experimenting with C-sections on women who were not pregnant, cutting across their wombs over and over again to perfect what he was imagining in his sleep, essentially.
0: Now, in that very short clip, we see that the man who is credited as the father of gynecology, peace to uh, Sister Tila Nubia, um, got his start and did his experimentation on enslaved black women. And because they were enslaved and because he didn't view them as anything but property, he is taking them in the middle of the night experimenting on them, because that's that's what he's doing. He's exper- experimenting on them, the way companies used to experiment on uh, rabbits and mice and monkeys and whatever else, with no this is what we have to understand. The Europeans did not believe in the capacity of black people to feel pain at the same way that whites felt pain. And so he's doing this without anesthesia. He's probably not cleaning these tools. I mean, he's just butchering black women in the name of science. And now he is regarded as the father of gynecology based upon his butchering of black women. And uh, Brother Crow says that he thinks that Sims was a hat. I'm not 100 percent sure, but in South Carolina, you had a lot of uh Uru that owned us and they were hats. You know, brother, I that makes perfect sense. I had not gone delve that far into his history to see that, um, because, again, this isn't a lecture. So it's not my goal wasn't to go completely deep into it in depth but to really just show some things on the surface and to make people think, but that's a very good point. And you know, with everything you said, it makes me think it is entirely possible that he was a hat. So the reason I wanted to show that clip and I wanted to start there with that history is because this is part of the foundational aspect of, med- of modern medicine in America. And it starts with the butchering of black people, specifically black women, right? Now, some of the, what's deep is that if you look at African history, right? Many of the things that Europeans would discover later in many African societies from ancient Kemet up to societies in West Africa before colonialism, some of the techniques and some of the knowledge that they have recently gathered, Europeans have, is the stuff that Africans have passed on down the line from probably 5,000 years ago up until 100 years ago. But yet this person is butchering us to get information that we already knew that probably some of the people that he had enslaved could have told him without him doing any experimentation. Because we know for a fact that a lot of, uh, as I call them the slave monsters, right? A lot of times they would have the older black women that still had the ancestral knowledge of the herbs and plants and things like that. They would call them when the European would get sick and the black woman or the old black man would come and heal them the way that they would heal the people because they wasn't getting any, um, there was you no, know, they didn't have any healthcare and slavery and things like that. So that the elders that had the knowledge were the, were the healers in the community and they would even heal the European. Right. I uh, and Sister Vanessa says they still don't think we feel pain. We aren't offered much of any pain meds while in a hospital to this day. And yeah, I, yeah, I have, um, I used to I used to work in the healthcare field and I have heard that complaint from patients that you know some of the things that uh, some of the attitudes of the doctors depending on where they're from they um that that is true and you got ripped off says I'm I'm of the firm belief that he was a eugenicist because of enslaved breeding during those times and after he stopped that's when the movement rose and started experimenting with plants experimenting with plants flies and cats well the whole the eugenics the actual eugenics concept we're going to get to that shortly we are we're heading that direction you jumping ahead um and sister Tila Nubia says answer to your caption can black people really trust the medical industry would be no based on the past as well as current history well, we we're gonna get there and see. And uh brother Kevin Austin says, peace and straight black pride family. The majority of slave owners in South Carolina wear hats. Charleston is hat country. Indeed. And so that was like I said, that was the part of that's that's the foundation of gynecology. Like in American society, in Western society, butchering black women is the foundation. Of gynecology, period. In the discussion, there's nothing to debate here. This is the historical documented fact, right? So, that's one instance where we can say, okay, medicine and racism come together and we got the short end of that. But people can say, okay, well, that was during enslavement, so what about later on, so forth and so on, right? So, we're gonna go to our text, which is medical apartheid, right? So if you read medical apartheid, you know that is a lot of documentation in there. And so we're going to talk about a little bit about eugenics, right? And it says the 20th century saw the dawn of the medical medical philosophy, eugenics derived from the Greek word eugenis, meaning well-born. The word was coined by Francis Galton, a cousin of Charles Darwin. Between 1900 and 1910, geneticists discovered human traits that adhered to a Mendelian pattern of inheritance, one in which the breeding of two carrier parents resulted in a mathematically predictable mixture of well-ill and carrier offspring, right? Now, the thing about Galton, right, is that he was a well-regarded um, multi-disciplined scientist. And there are buildings and statues and things named after this person. But he is the father of the whole eugenics movement. And the thing about it is that whole movement would inspire um, Margaret Sanger that whole movement would inspire um, the Nazi regime, and actually, even before the Nazi regime, the whole eugenics movement was in Germany, from America to England to Germany. So this was a this was a European this was a European philosophy that spread across the entire European world, right? So, this is not something that this was not considered at the time pseudoscience, right? Now, it says, Armed with this knowledge, Galton first formulated the desirability of using selective procreation to refine the human race while conquering social dysfunction. This goal was widely embraced on both scientific and popular levels by the 1930s not only in the United States, but also abroad and eugenic yardsticks were applied to not only not only to whole populations, but to individuals. Right. So now think about this. If it's applied to whole populations and these people are Anglo-Saxons, Europeans and hats, then who are the populations that are going to be least desirable? I think we all know the answer to that. Now, later on, it says eugenicists invoked the term racial hygiene as frequently as they did the word eugenics. And even a cursory glance at the charts, photographs and diagrams used to popularize eugenic ideals reveals that the unfit were swarthy, black and quote unquote ugly. By Anglo Saxon standards, with flattened noses, wiry black hair, and prognathous profiles. Right. African Americans were roundly disparaged by eugenic theory as scientists continued to seek and find wide physiological evidence of black inferiority. This was the accepted science of the day at a time where many of the modern techniques of medicine were being developed. So the 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 modern scientific thought at that time was you are you black people are inferior and we have to find a way to get rid of you and that is where much of the modern medicine comes out of the same time frame and the people who were espousing this were leading scholars, doctors, and politicians of the European world in that day. This was not considered pseudoscience. This was not considered mythology. This was not considered any of those things. This was considered actual fact and believed by people on the highest levels of European society, including white American society. Uh, Sister Tila Nubis says some of the things that give me pause is the aggressive push to the black community. The fact that they keep highlighting the so-called sister who was involved in making the vaccine. I was just talking to a brother today and I was like, where is she? I haven't seen much of her since people kind of showed her um, her love of Europeans. It seemed like they kind of removed her out the way and, um, you know, kind of put her back in the background. And brother, you got ripped off says I keep telling people to watch this documentary The eugenics crusade on PBS. That sounds interesting. I need I need to watch that myself. And it says the maker of Kellogg's cereal was a eugenicist. Yeah, I didn't even know that breakfast. Speaking of that was bre- the concept of breakfast is a European concept. That's not that's something that's relatively recent within the last 200 years or so. So you, you know. It's just so many things, man, that we find out that's crazy. And uh, Brother Dawood said Henrietta Lacks was a black woman whose cancer cells are the source of the HeLa cell line still used today in cancer research because they found her cells could reproduce indefinitely. And Miss Lacks died in 1951. Indeed. And I had I had completely forgot about that, brother. I'm glad you brought that up. That That is a again, the death of a black woman is giving birth to an entire industry uh, and an entire branch of science and has gone on to save the lives of a lot of people. And she and nor her family have benefited financially, um, to the best of my knowledge, in any way. And I know there were some legal things that was supposed to be going on recently. I haven't followed up, but they've made. Probably billions of dollars just off her researching her sales and her family. A lot of her family living in poverty and haven't received anything. And our wonderful producer says, uh, family ain't gonna die, and they're still sitting in the, in the house, in we're well, sitting still sitting poor in housing. Yeah, so yeah, see that that's it right there. And again, this just goes to show. This is a pattern we're developing. So we don't have to we don't have to speculate. We can make our decisions based on historical documentation, right? Now there was another part um, in the book that I wanted to get to, Medical Apartheid and it's dealing with another doctor Yes, sir, brother. Uh yeah. Bill Gates' father indeed was a was on the board of Planned Parenthood, which we know part of Planned Parenthood's um part of their uh philosophy was based in eugenics from the foundation. So it's kind of hard to avoid that. But I wanted to read this real quick because I, I found this interesting. And even though I've read this book. You know how you read a book, but then you reread it and you find something and you like, was that in the book before? Check this out. It Says in 1915, Dr. Harry J. Hasselden heralded the first wave of U.S. eugenicists when he gained fame and wealth by exploiting the evil legacy of the black mother. Hasselden was a, was as famous in his time as Dr. Jack Kevorkian was in our own and for an eerily similar reason. Both hastened the death of those they perceived as unfit for life and both chose their victims from the poles of life. Kevorkian preyed upon the old and ill. Hasselden on sick, quote unquote, defective infants. On November 12th, 1915, he announced to newspapers that now think about this. He's announcing what I'm about to say. He announced to newspapers that he had allowed the ailing but viable newborn of his patient, Anna Bollinger, to die in Chicago's German-American hospital because he would have gone through life as a defective. Between 1915 and 1918, Hasselden killed five other babies, drawing fawning attention from the press each time. Practicing negative eugenics very publicly, Hasselden encouraged parents and other Pediatricians to follow his example by killing or allowing the deaths of the genetically inferior. Parents began openly to recruit doctors to kill their children who were born with birth defects, and doctors came forward with their own proud confections. I mean, confessions, excuse me, of infanticide. Like Kovorkin, Hasselden arranged photo ops with his dying patients and their mothers again this was a actual doctor who was practicing openly murdering children and being lauded and applauded for it again i'm not making this up you can get the book if you do not have it and i should have got a picture of it Medical Apartheid. This is page 192. This is part of the history of the medical field in America. Further on, it goes to say when he decided to make a film to popularize his eugenic ideals starring himself, it became a hit, making him a wealthy movie star. That film was The Black Stork. It begins with the story of a white, wealthy, well-born slave owner who, in a moment of inebriation, is quote-unquote seduced by his vile, filthy black servant. The resulting child supplies a genetic taint to his family that haunts his progeny, making them unfit to marry. One scene showcases a panoply of defective children, and the very first image is that of a black child. In titling the film, Hasselden was mindful of both the negative and racial connotations of the word black. Martin Pernick, PhD, the premier expert on Hasselden and his work, points out that Hasselden repeatedly equated black with ugliness and undesirability. The fact that her white master, but not she, must be addled by drink before they had sexual Congress speaks to the black woman's innate shamelessness. Now, I actually have a clip of this film. This film was the medical version of Birth of a Nation. But we've all heard of Birth of of a Nation. How many people have heard about this film? and what's deep is we know good and well that during slavery time. And after that, European males did not have to get inebriated to be with black women. They raped black women with impunity from before they got on the slave ship back in the slave dungeons, back in the coffer lines, before the slave dungeons from the coffer lines, to the slave dungeons, to the slave ships, to the slave auction, to the plantation, to off of the plantation, all the way up to the 50s and the 60s. Europeans were raping black women, but how does he how does he spin the narrative? He spins the narrative that, oh, this guy got drunk one time and laid up with a black woman when we know good and well we literally have to fight and kill this european to back him up off our women because he didn't want to be with that nasty flat back non let me stop he want to be with his own woman that's all i'm saying right now let me bring up this clip
2: In the lead role, a physician. His profession in real life as well, Dr. Harry Hazelden, and a deformed baby. Dr. Hazelden spreads the gospel of eugenics in his own way. By refusing life-saving operations on deformed infants, or by making the operation fatal, he campaigns for his ideas. Dr. Hazelton's eugenics crusade makes him the star of his own movie. The climactic scene. Hazelton refuses the child a warming blanket. Dr. Hazleton's campaign aims at liberating America from defective heritage. If man could be induced to fall in love intelligently, if human matings could be placed upon the same level as horse breeding, the most progressive revolution in history.
0: Right. So y'all saw the clip. This film is so old that this was a silent movie in the same manner as Birth of a Nation. Based on eugenics. And I don't know if y'all saw that where it says he said there are times when saving a life and I'm paraphrasing cuz I didn't I didn't remember it. Paraphrase phrasing what he said was. There are times when saving a life is a greater crime than taking a life. I just want you to just think about that for a moment. That's the European philosophy. In a nutshell, he's saying it's wrong for me to save This child. Now, of course, they had a white woman playing the black woman because that was supposed to be the woman that had the child in the in the bed, but had a white woman playing her. And again, this is a doctor. So. Even though the Hippocratic Oath says, do no first do no harm. He's saying, you know what? Uh, saving a life that might not be the thing to do here now notice how he played it so that people could say that he's in alignment with the Hippocratic Oath and I don't know if that was a thing at the time but he's like he could say well I'm not doing anything the child is not healthy enough to live I'm not killing the child I'm just leaving the child here to his feet right so that I mean <laughs> How many think we understand the depravity of the type of people we're dealing with, who are world-renowned physicians and scientists and scholars, laying the foundational groundwork for medicine today? And Brother Dawood says, "Sound like Nazis and Hitler's to me. What's the difference?" Right. I mean, that's the thing. What, what people don't realize is many of the uh, most of the eugenic Um, philosophy and doctrine that made its way into Nazi Germany had made its way from America into Europe into Germany a decade or two decades before the rise of Hitler and his movement. So this was very much a uh, English and American philosophy that was the foundation of what Hitler would take, expand upon and bring into practice. All right. So again, that's, that's another case. That's more documentation. Uh, and brother that says not enough can be said about Planned Parenthood and other eugenicist organizations involvement in the forced sterilization of black women. I had, a I had some of that in the lecture, so I didn't put that back in, in this presentation, because I didn't want this presentation to be a lecture. When I started to do it and I started look look at stuff, I said, you know what? I could really go into this. And actually make this a lecture based on just the surface stuff that I found. But I don't you know, I don't know. I I may take this, expand upon it and, you know make a video and put it out. I may just, you know, leave it here. This, I believe between what we're doing here and what brother Jenny is doing, it will be sufficient enough to at least have people to be able to make an intelligent, excuse me, decision for themselves. And our wonderful producer says doctors are practitioners. They are practicing. Yeah. And most times they're practicing on us. And you got ripped off says that documentary covers the entire timeline with the exception of the program being used against us. And of course, the documentary uses the hats as the (laughs) (laughs) victims. Of course it does. They use the perpetrators as the victims. I I'm not even surprised at all. So now the next clip we're going to watch is something that we all know we've all heard about. And something that everybody cited when this thing first came out, and we started hearing about this, uh, nineteen and deaths and black people and shots and all this stuff. Tuskegee, you literally all all you have to do for most black people is say Tuskegee, and people immediately perk up and put down aspirin and run out the doctor's office. It, everyone knows this story, right? So you're going to ask me, well, why are you bringing up a clip? I'm bringing up the clip because even though everybody knows the story, everyone seems to have forgotten the story. So I'm going to put it here. And we're basically just doing a timeline of things, of black people's interaction with the medical field. And this is a major part of that, that even though I know everybody's familiar with it, I could not leave it out. So here it is. They get treated
3: for their bad blood. Instead, hundreds of poor black men became participants unknowingly in a shocking and truly shameful chapter of American medical history. In 1932, the United States Public Health Service launched an unethical research project to examine the effects of untreated syphilis. The project was called the Tuskegee Study because it recruited 600 black men living in Tuskegee, Alabama. Researchers told the men that they were being treated for bad blood, a term used locally to describe anything from fatigue to anemia. They promised the men free medical treatment if they participated. While two-thirds of the men in the study were confirmed to have syphilis, not one received proper treatment for the disease they had contracted.
4: So this was a study in which there was no consent on the part of those who, um, who were being studied, also deception on the part of the US government.
3: When penicillin became the recommended treatment for syphilis in the 1940s, Tuskegee researchers scandalously withheld the drug from the men in the study so that they could continue to chart the course of the disease when untreated. Many patients experienced damage to their vital organs and nervous systems. For some, the lack of treatment led to death.
4: The great shame of the study is that the men thought that they were being treated. Treatment was withheld from them even after it was very clear what kind of medical treatment would cure them of syphilis. In
3: 1972, an Associated Press article exposed the Tuskegee study after one of the participants brought the story to a civil rights attorney. Only then, after 40 years, was the study brought to an end. The case was settled out of court for $10 million. This long history of medical experimentation on African-Americans creates a sense of distrust, uh, a distrust of doctors and physicians, a distrust of medical care. In 1997, President Bill Clinton formally apologized to the victims of the study. The president's apology was a welcome first step, but we still have a long way to go before the legacy of mistrust of science within the black community is fully overcome.
0: Now, of course, that was Henry Jewish Gates. And of course, he has to add some Negro to the end. Now, I'm going to put this in historical context, but two things. Oh, first of all, B.B. Foley and straight black prior to the war report. First of all, if you tell, if you just show me where they were doing medical experimentation on black people for four decades, why would you say that black people need to get over their mistrust of the same people that did me- medical experimentation on black people for four decades? That is, Let's think about that for a minute. If you think, let's think about that. I want, I want to put in context how long that was that experiment started around the time of my recently of my grandmother who recently transitioned to the ancestral realm around the time of her birth within a few years of her birth and ended within a couple of years of my birth do you understand what i'm saying so from the time in essence From the time my grandmother was born, went through childhood, teenagehood, adulthood, got married, had children, and her first child had a child. That whole period of her life, they were experimenting on black people. You understand what I'm saying? In, in the context of my family, that's how, so this three generations have come on the planet in uh, the approximate time that they did a, a scientific study which basically killed and injured black men. Think about that. And then he says black people have a ways to go to get over Trusting the medical. Why would we trust the medical industry? Based on this alone. In fact, so much time passed that it went from, oh, we don't have anything to cure this to, oh, we do have something to cure this. Let's not give it to them. From the time of radio to the time of television. Right. The time of silent movies up into the seventies, whatever the movie technology was then, nearly half of a century of experimentation on black people, and he's talking about, oh, we got a ways to go till we can. Why would we? Weak? How can I trust? Dmx has passed forty nine. That's almost his whole life. They experiment on black people. I'm younger than he is almost my whole life. Jenny's younger than I am. Most of you all are younger than me, so it's your whole life. And he's talking about, oh, we got a ways to go to we can trust it. Why would we? But the information and documentation and had to put it there so we can understand especially the time because that's the difference the length of time so much that the medical technology technology advanced and could heal them and they didn't do it and brother you got ripped off says don't forget Virtus harderman who was a victim of his country's experimentation on children by drilling dime-sized holes in in heads and Doing electrotherapy on his head. Brother, to be completely honest, we could. There's so many things I could be sitting here. Really for four or five, six hours. Showing documentation of experimentation on black people. Like I'm sure as it goes on, everyone will have a don't forget about and will add something new and add something new. And that's why I had to ask a question. And the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, I have to put the documentation out. I have to put the documentation out. And here's what's deep. I got, I have a couple of more clips. because I, I, I planned to only go two hours with this. But I said I got a lot of, I have so many actual, I had so many videos. I don't think I actually had room on this app to add anything else. So I said, this is enough. But our people really don't have the understanding of what's happened before us. We have a, we have a, an inkling we have it's like in the back of our mind, we have a distrust based on largely on Tuskegee alone that prickles the back of our mind and, hey, got it, I can't I don't know. I ain't too sure about this, can't trust, but what's happening is we're being bombarded currently with information and then they're curtailing and cutting off certain information and censoring certain things and then snatching people off the internet. That we're not getting the entire picture to make an informed decision. And that's all that this discussion is based on historical documentation to inform us and give us a clearer picture based on what has happened before so we can make a decision on what could be happening now and what we should do going forward because we're making life-altering decisions in this day and time, right? So this next clip, and this kind, this clip is kind of long, this next clip was something I just found and actually this, I don't even know what I was looking for, but this next clip is literally what made me say, you know what, this is what the show is going to be about and what he's talking about is the foundation of um the foundation of heart transplants and how it came about and let's see uh, Brother Patrick said, anyone who is black and less than Mzungu's Put a needle in their body is a fool with 38 exclamation points. I, I mean, just dealing with the historical documentation, it's not looking too good right now. And Sister Fonessa says our like, people are literally bragging about getting the experiments now and shaming those of us that don't wish to be experimented on. See, I haven't, wow, goodness. I haven't run into that, but I haven't. Haven't really dealt with people. And it's weird because some of the people I, that I have to deal with professionally, um, the black women that I've talked to, uh, most of them are like, nah, I'm good on that. Um, and in fact, I know someone uh, who, this was, and this was months, I guess this is when they first announced it. They, um, they're a medical professional told them, ease back off of that kind of let kind of wait and see where that goes and um you know just wait and see so they didn't they didn't say cuz they probably couldn't they didn't tell her not to um not to get it but a medical professional <laughs> told her stop wait look and see what this is cuz She was saying at that point that that was something that was experimental. So, um, yeah, there's a there there is a there's a wide variety of opinions on what's going on. But one thing I know for a fact is you cannot turn on the TV or the radio and sometimes pass a billboard without this stuff being advertised as something that we must do. And I see it most in our community. Which is reason enough to make me be suspicious, but be that as it may, we're going to look at this next clip. This clip is about four minutes long or so. And I just found it surprising. The reason I added because I had no idea about this information.
4: There's a sense of distrust in the black community when it comes to health care, from stereotyping to improper diagnosis and treatment. Race and medical ethics is a serious issue, and many of you may remember the Tuskegee Project, where black men became the subjects of human experimentation in the name of science. Well, organ theft is also another disturbing reality. I spoke with the Oregon Thieves book author Chip Jones, who brings us the shocking story of Bruce Tucker, the first heart transplant in the segregated South.
5: Bruce Tucker was a 54-year-old factory worker in Richmond, Virginia in in 1968. And uh, he was ending his work week uh, with some friends, uh, and he suffered a a fall off of a wall, hit his head. He was badly uh, head injured and rushed to the local emergency room. Now, this was at what was then called the Medical College of Virginia. He entered the hospital. He was conscious. His vital signs were good. But within less than 24 hours, the surgeons there made the decision to take him off life support and to uh, remove his beating heart, and as well as his kidneys, but to implant his heart into the chest of a sick white man. Now, the, the, the true tragedy and the thing that inspired me to write the book, which began as a research into the heart transplant race of the 1960s, was that at that same moment that his, Bruce Bruce's heart was removed around 3:25 on a Saturday afternoon? Um, his brother, who owned a shoe store nearby, William Tucker, was frantically searching for him. He was calling the hospital. He had gotten a tip from a friend on the inside of MCV, and another friend was also rushing to find him. So that that very moment that his, his healthy heart was being removed. He still had a very bad head injury, but his, his heart was being removed while his loved ones was trying to find him. And it was that uh, tragedy, both for him as a black man and for his whole family, and that, that trauma still exists today for the uh, Tucker family members that I've talked to.
4: And how heartbreaking was it for you when you were kind of going through the details and learned
1: what this family had experienced?
5: It was really heartbreaking for me personally. It was very emotional. Um, First of all, thinking about Bruce Tucker and what it must have been like for him to be on his back, looking at the ceiling, maybe unconscious, but maybe hearing what people were saying, you know, because there's a lot of research that shows people can hear uh, what's being done to them during surgeries. I felt, it, for me, as a, as a person who grew up watching The Twilight Zone as a boomer, it felt like an episode of The Twilight Zone. But then when I talked to the family, the people, uh, when your readers go to the book, they'll see a whole chapter on trying to interview his son who's still alive, Abraham. And he had to live with this his whole life. He lost his father when he was 14 um, and never got any compensation. And I, I didn't want to force myself on him just because I was writing a book and I really left it up to him. He decided not to be interviewed and I really respected that. Another one of his family members did talk to me and I was able to provide some some of the family story. Uh, but all along the way, uh, Brittany, it was a real uh, life changer for me.
4: And why was it so important to be able to get his family's message out there?
5: Well, I think because it, it ties into the, the, the suspicions of medical care that I learned about uh, you know, as a privileged white person. I, I knew nothing about the history of medical research. It goes all the way back to the 1800s or 1700s. And essentially I learned that, that uh, medical education was built on the, the backs of black folks whose bodies were stolen right there in New York City near, near what was Columbia. And uh, and all up and down the East Coast, from Harvard to New York City to uh, Philadelphia and down here, and I learned so much that tied into what really shaped what you can only call systemic racism in in the medical system, and those 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 suspicions still exist today. And I think for Black families, I think that the 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 issue is to own your medical story, to make sure that you, when you talk to your healthcare provider, and you should have a healthcare provider, that you can have your wishes in your electronic medical record and have that happen before you're too old or you're too uh, ill to, to be able to express your wishes. You should have a family member Who's who's been informed about if certain things happen, how long do you want to stay on life support? Because we live in this age where you know you can be held, you can be kept alive for a long time, but it may not be the quality of life that you want. So I'm really hoping that out of this will be some healing and some positive energy uh, from what until now was you know just a really hard, tragic story.
0: All right. So Again, now, again, this is a European who he did not even know this history. He's studying, researching about heart transplants, finds out this information, gets curious, goes to research it, and finds all this other documentation. Right? And then he's putting it out. And then he's he's giving black people advice about what we should do as far as our health care provider. But even if we do all that, as we've seen, that's no guarantee. But he doing giving the advice that he wants to give. And sister, Vanessa says if he wants some healing and give the proceeds of his book back book sales to the family. Indeed. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, you telling that story, and spread that message. That's fine. And you said that the son had has had to live with that his entire life and really probably finding that information probably was even more painful than whatever little bit of information he had. So, yeah, why not? If you're going to do that, give some uh, some or all of the proceeds to the family um, and, you know, make some in essence, some uh monetary restitution. For their pain and suffering. Not that this person was the cause of it, but you exposed it and you're you're making a profit off of telling their story at which they could not. They were not. They didn't have the capacity to tell themselves. Right. So and it's their story, it's their relative. Why not do that? I mean, that makes perfect sense. But again, this is just if you notice, we're moving up uh, moving up a timeline from the 1800s again, all the way up to the seventies. And we're showing instance after instance, after instance of black people being experimented on and medically exploited. Right. So when you start it, it can be, Oh yeah. Yeah. It was a, oh, that was 100 years ago. Oh, that was 150 years ago. That was slavery time. That was 200 years ago. But now we're moving closer and closer to modern time. And our wonderful producer says he's going to hand out Bibles before he gives a dime. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Right. And so again, with this documentation and with each case that we bring up. Oh, greetings, Lord Bell, You. Just coming in the building. Yeah, you want to watch the replay. You want to watch the replay of this family. Glad you could join us, though. But with each case we bring up, first, we bring ourselves closer and closer to modern time. And we build upon a foundation where we see things haven't actually changed. Started off in the 1840s, we're up to the 1970s or so, and we see the same exploitation, experimentation, and we're documenting, we have documentation of this phenomenon continuously against black people by the medical industry, including licensed professional doctors and medical institutions. Right now, here's here's what's deep. He's talking about what happened in, I guess, maybe the 50s or 60s. I can't I can't remember the date. To the in this day and time, what was it about five or six years ago? We had the Kendrick Johnson situation. Kendrick Johnson, quote unquote, mysteriously died, quote unquote, the case is being reopened. And then when they went and took him and they did the autopsy and they had taken all his organs, remember that? That wasn't in 1960, 1970, 1980, 1990. That was like 2015, 2014, sometime in that. So they're still stealing the organs of black people as recently we can prove as recently as five or so years ago the difference is we believe kendrick johnson was already dead and brother patrick said 2013 thank you brother peace to uh sister simba bb for oda to a bb for oda man so again the very foundation of heart transplant technology is the murder of a black man and taking up his heart and putting it into an old white man. And we are here. We are less than a decade ago where we have documentation of young black men being found sometimes being found without that organ, sometimes being being killed and then taken, into the do the autopsy and then they take all that organs there and they stuff the body with newspaper we have that those cases have been documented we don't have to debate about that Kendrick Johnson was the most famous case but the root of it goes all the way back to that discussion in that clip. And you got ripped off, says, in the Jamaican case of organ trafficking, Jenny reported back in 2017, 2018. Right. I mean, you know, it it wouldn't take us much to start to research and see this stuff is still going on. I mean, we have and I'm pretty. Yeah, I put this in the lecture. We have 60, maybe 70,000 missing black women. And we have a call for womb transplants. Now, regardless of whatever, no woman's going to voluntarily allow someone to operate on her, remove her womb, and give it to somebody else. Sisters, y'all stop me if I'm lying here. So if they're talking about giving womb transplants to transgenders, that means that they plan on getting them from somebody that's still alive or very recently dead. Because that's the only way that that works. And we have. Thousands of missing, mostly young from what I'm noticing, black women. I'm not saying all I'm saying is missing black women, womb transplants. I'm just saying these two things are coexisting at the same time. That's it. Not making any conjecture any further than that. So now I wanted to bring it up and internationalize it because we focus mostly on here in America. But we know that these things that happen don't just happen here in America. And we're going to move forward dealing with vaccines and the things that can go wrong. And I want y'all to listen to how this clip, how they spin the narrative to make sure that they say it was not the vaccine that was the problem in this case.
6: Some children did survive the botch vaccinations last month and will recover, but 15, all under the age of five, died from fever, vomiting and diarrhea. This is really, this tragic event is as is what we what we have seen. The inoculations took place in a remote village nearly 300 kilometers east of the capital, Juba. The contaminated vaccine caused sepsis, a blood infection. Human errors contributed to the unfortunate deaths of the children, and namely, the use of unskilled and untrained personnel. Among those administering the vaccine to 300 children was a 12-year-old, and the same syringe was used repeatedly for four days. Syringes are not meant to be reused. In their initial findings, investigators say that's what contaminated the measles vaccine, which killed the children. A commission set up by South Sudan's government, the World Health Organization and UNICEF is also looking at other problems.
1: The vaccines were stored in a building with no cold chain facilities for four days. This means that the vaccines were not maintained at the recommended temperature.
6: The vaccination campaign was organized after a measles outbreak killed 70 children earlier this year. A shortage of doctors and an ongoing civil war are being cited as two reasons why the world's youngest nation is unable to deliver adequate and effective health care. Paul on Al Jazeera.
0: Now, that was in South Sudan. What's interesting about that, and I, I, I can. I have not been able to find the other clip. Literally, the same exact thing. Nearly the same amount of children, but they didn't say that it was unskilled people giving the vaccine. Happened in, I believe, in Nigeria, years before that. But they did, they had a different story. So again, vaccine, children die. Oh, we didn't store it right. Oh, the people didn't know what they were doing. Yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. And if you go around the African continent, you find this story with various vaccines over and over and over. For decades. Right? but they tell us Hey, man, you know, there's nothing wrong. We should, you you can take this stuff. You'll be all right. Nothing, you know, stuff is totally healthy. Yada, yada, yada. And the next thing you know, somebody's dead. And the most important part about death is you can't undo it. So if you guess wrong and you die, you're dead. That's just how it works. And well, Dawood says womb transplant, transplants from black women equals still in civilization. And our producer says they took mines and was only going for a malignant tum- tumor right ovary. Rearranged, rearranged me during the operation in small print, the small hat doctor got me. A, I'm sorry to hear that these people and that that's another thing there are so many things when I when I did the lecture last when I did the lecture a few weeks ago I really realized it's a lot of different ways that they are attacking the womb of the black woman that as men we just not if you're not directly researching you just won't even have a clue of what's going on But even sisters don't really have a clue. And uh, Sister Simba says our queen, queen mother, queen of four can help us heal our wounds. talking to the sisters. So, um, yeah, you know, I I brought my mother her book like decades ago. I don't know if my mother ever read it, but I did buy that book decades ago. Uh, So everything I've heard about queen of four was is that she's very, um, very knowledgeable and very outstanding and bringing valuable valuable excuse me information to our sisters on healing themselves in various ways so yeah i do recommend her um recommend her information even though i was one of the people i've never met i just kind of always thought that her information was primarily for the sisters and so when i see her come to town i'm just like oh okay she's in town i might let her sister know but i haven't i have never gone to any of her lectures but the way things are happening now you can't guarantee people will be here so i guess really the best thing to do is avail yourself of of the person and information as much as you can because you never know when they're going when they're not going to be here the way things are going all right and this last clip that we're going to get into we're going to get into it again this deals with vaccines on the continent those of you who have seen the Africa versus Everybody lecture, you've seen this clip. Everyone else, you um, haven't. But I just want you to look at this clip, listen to it, and think about what they're saying, and then think about where we are now. This, and I believe this is about. This may be about five or six years ago when this situation took place on the continent. With a row that now threatens to derail the government's
2: ongoing tetanus vaccination.
4: Yes, the Catholic Church has stepped up its opposition to the exercise, dismissing it as a population control tool.
0: Doctors allied to the Catholic Church in Kenya are now warning women of reproductive age against taking the vaccine, saying it could render them sterile.
4: Or could it? Well, KTN's Wilkerson Yabwa begins our news coverage with that story. In three days, public health officials will finish administering the third dose of tetanus vaccines. But the complaints that have marked the exercise are likely to echo long after they are gone. The loudest voice that of leaders from the Catholic Church who have urged followers to boycott vaccines.
6: In the current tetanus vaccine, the Catholic Church advises all Kenyans not to participate in the vaccination program.
4: The anti-tetanus drive is part of a five-dose campaign that targets women of childbearing age. The first round of vaccinations took place in September last year and the second in March this year. The third round has aroused the suspicion of Catholic doctors who claim that the tetanus injections could cause sterility in women. Is there a tetanus crisis in Kenya?
6: If this is so, why has it not been declared?
4: Why does the campaign target women of
1: 14 and 49 years? Why has the campaign left out girls below 14, and yet girls between 13 and 9 years become pregnant if what they are worried about
6: is neonatal tetanus? Why have they left out boys and men
0: knowing they are all prone to tetanus even more than women when anybody then says in a country dying of malaria
1: dying of hiv dying of cancer dying of diabetes and you prioritize a disease that some of us have not seen
4: the catholic doctors association of kenya claims to have undertaken independent tests to back the allegations
1: when
6: injected to a non-pregnant woman combined with the tetanus toxoid she develops antibodies against both tetanus and HCG. When she conceives, the body fails to recognize HCG as a friend and will produce anti-HCG antibodies, destroying her own natural HCG, ladling her incapable of sustaining a pregnancy.
4: This is not the first time the government has been accused of using vaccinations as a permanent population control tool. In some parts of the country, health workers administering repeat polio vaccines have faced opposition. The government maintains that the tetanus vaccines are geared towards reducing the chances of mothers transmitting tetanus to their newborns. The standoff is now likely to jeopardize plans to proceed with the fourth and fifth rounds of tetanus vaccinations across the country. KTN.
0: Now, let's review. Catholic doctors, black. African Catholic doctors, right? Said that they found I believe it was a protein or enzyme in the tetanus vaccine which renders Kenyan women sterile and that they suspect That that was not the first time But That the other vaccine I believe is Podio vaccine They suspect of that, that vaccine Of also doing the same thing But they have They have the documentation And the proof And done the studies On The tetanus vaccine And we saw the very intelligent discourse From the doctors Where he's like why is this only being directed at the women? Why is it only being directed at the women who are childbearing age? Why is it only being directed at this group, even though the men are more likely to get this disease? And why are they prior to prior? Why are they making it a priority for this disease, which is far less rampant than other diseases in our population and demographic. I mean, those were intelligent questions. And if you're just speaking objectively, it doesn't really make sense. But if your goal is for people to slow down people's reproduction, it makes perfect sense. Because if women can't hold a baby because their body Will reject the baby. Or as soon as the signals are sent out from the one part of the body to the other that we're getting get get your get us to get ready, we're getting ready to have a child, and the body attacks and causes the child to abort, then that group of women will not be able to have children. And that is population control that's the nice word the word we use is genocide now again this is not DC saying oh they're committing genocide in Kenya this was a Kenyan news program. These were Kenyan doctors who have to be happened to be part of the Catholic Church who did the study and brought forth the documentation. Now, the question we have to ask is because we already know that the Gates Foundation was a part of that study and the Gates Foundation was a part of the situation in South Sudan. Because pretty much when it comes to vaccines, the Gates Foundation is, is behind most of the World Health Organization's vaccine program. Mr. Gates has been working with Mr. Fauci and hired Mr. Fauci over a decade ago to take care of and head up the program here in the United States for the Gates Foundation, the vaccine program. That's documented fact. And so now that we've seen this information, and there's a small bit of information that I could have put up, but if I had to put up any any more information, I would have had to charge you that I would have had to go in full lecture mode, break out PowerPoints and charts and show connections between these different people. So yeah. This is, I think we may have answered the question of can we as black people trust the medical industry based on the documentation that we have before us today? And Mr. Crow says we as a people need to stay far away from Euro medicine and science. This goes for our people globally. It's kind of looking that way. The bad part is we don't have a system set up for ourselves. So if we happen to have a problem, we have to hunt around and try to find someone with the uh, skill and acumen to help us with a situation. Cause let's be honest, like if you go out here and play basketball and break your ankle, who do we know that can uh, set it properly and throw a cast on it? We haven't set up the proper institutions to take care of ourselves. Unfortunately, uh, Brother Da Wu said there's even discrimination in naming of diseases We can have Ebola virus and West Nile virus But China was screaming racism when it came When they called COVID Wuhan virus When we know it started in China Right, how about that <laughs> Right, no one has renamed Uh, Like you said, no one has renamed Ebola But they have renamed Wuhan Although the, the last president had a one, he'd still be calling it the China virus. That's what <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, man. I'm gonna miss that guy's arrogance. <laughs> you know, it's entertaining, you know, if nothing else. And Brother Allen says integration ruined us. We all used to live next to each other, doctor, Laurie, et cetera. Right, yeah. Even yeah, I mean. Even back in those times where the upper class people they lived in the same town, they just might have lived on the other end of town, but you know where you know knew excuse me where you could find them, and they had no problem coming down and tending to our needs. We are far away from that time. So again, brothers and sisters, let me put this back up real quick. May first. 6 p.m. COVID 19 Gateway to the Apocalypse, Everlasting Life Cafe, 9185 Central Avenue, Capitol Heights, Maryland. The return of our brother, Irritated Genie. You can get tickets via Eventbrite, $25 in advance, via Eventbrite, $35 at the door. For more information, email liberation at waronthehorizon.com and of course as i said before the goal is to live stream this event via a uh, platform and we will let you all know um you know the information will be sent out via email if there's any change of that A wonderful producer says, "All we got to do is start posting pics and videos of them eating cats and dogs, and the Cave beats will be upset and want blood Didn't I put that? Did I not put that in? Did I not put that in the last lecture? I thought I put that in the uh, Chancellor Williams lecture. Yeah, that that's part of their that's part of their culture. You're right. Yeah, yeah, that's so funny though. That's so hilarious. Yeah, this would be some smoke if uh, if Europeans knew and saw that and got, had the visual documentation, they want some smoke with uh, with Chinese on that one. That they, they would not be having that. They knew that uh, Rover was a delicacy in, in uh, mainland China. Uh, You got ripped off, says I find it odd that Dr. Sebi transitioned before COVID and Dr. Africa during it. Some, you know, somebody else mentioned that not just them, but like, like a dozen natural paths, either in the country or around the world, I can't remember, passed right in that same time frame. So You know, I try not to be a conspiracy theorist. I just find these coincidences interesting. And again, for those who may be new to the show, I don't see anybody that I don't recognize, but that don't mean that they're not here. Again, I am your host, DC Radical One. You can follow me on Instagram at DC.Radical, the numeral one. You can follow me on Twitter at DC underscore Radical underscore ON. E and of course this is the YouTube page, capital D small C radical, the numeral one, and the cash app is dollar sign DC Radical One all one word. And if you want to email me, email me at DC.radical underscore one at protonmail dot com. And also, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, our wonderful producer is putting the link to listen to this on on the WakeUpRadio.com. And if we keep talking about this subject matter over and over, that's the only place that you'll be able to listen to it. And Brother Dawood says, unfun fact: early dentures from the late 17. 17- the early 1800s were made from the teeth of slaves as well as animals. George Washington benefited from this and indeed he did. And they had told us the whole wooden teeth story for who knows how long and that told turned out to be a total and complete fallacy, which is not surprising. So brothers and sisters, I hope that, um, I hope that we. I have given you something to think about. I'm sure most of the people who are listening to and watching the show pretty much knew a lot of the information. May not have seen all the visual documentation. And you got ripped off, says brother Midwin Charles story. Thank you, brother, because you know you 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 listen to this enough. You know I'm about to wind down let me find that on my phone because i'm pretty sure i posted it but um that was interesting to say the least let me go back and bring it up real quick thanks to our wonderful producer for uh posting the cash app and i must say that uh bb 4 ODA uh brother desaline who i don't see in the building and you got ripped off have been very generous i'm not going to say that the brothers are lapping the sisters in donations right now i'm not going to say that because the sisters were the one coming to all the lectures um uh digitally i'm just saying that the brothers are catching up that's all i'm going to say okay let me see if i can find this okay midwin charles right there's a sister that is a a lawyer and uh I believe she was on TV. I'm not sure if she had her own show, brother. Let me know. Did she have her have her own show or if she was just a legal expert that they brought on TV to cover major cases? She sent out a a uh, a tweet, right? This is from this is from uh the first of March at ten eighteen AM from her iPhone. Says just got vaccinated. Qualified because of my asthma at a FEMA center. Everyone at the site is in uniform. It's good to see our service men and women. Process was organized, efficient, and everyone is kind and in a good mood. Let's do this, right? That's what she posted. So she's encouraging people to take the test. She's saying how the process was, she's thanking the servicemen and things like that. Now, me personally. I'm the type of person. If I'm going for something medical and there are um, servicemen and women there, I'm doing an about face right then and there. Why do I need armed personnel? And I'm assuming that someone was armed because (laughs) it is the military. Why do I need armed personnel for me to get a shot? Okay. But, you know, she felt good about it at the time and then it said she said that she has asthma which means she already has uh what they call it uh underlying condition next post hey guys sadly happy hour tonight is canceled i'm not feeling well see you next friday right so she went to get the shot then she next post. She's not feeling well. She's canceling events. So if you're canceling events, you're not you're not feeling well at all. Right. Got a picture of the sister. Nice looking brown skin sister. You know, very attractive. Next thing you know. Someone else comes on her. On her, uh, I believe this is her Twitter and post. It is with a profoundly heavy heart. And the deepest sadness that we have to announce the untimely passing of our beloved Midwin Charles. She was known to many as a legal commentator on television, but to us, she was a devoted daughter, sister, aunt, niece and cousin. Our lives are forever changed and we will miss her for a lifetime. The family thanks you all in advance for your love and prayers. Please allow the family time to grieve the family of Midwin Charles. And then someone else replied to this and like my first my worst fears are realized. Attorney Midwin Charles died of COVID-19. Now. That person says she died of COVID-19, but she says that she got vaccinated. If you got vaccinated, right? Then you shouldn't be dying of the COVID. If you got vaccinated and died on the COVID, then the COVID, the vaccination didn't work. If you didn't die from the COVID and you got vaccinated and they haven't announced anything else, then you probably died from, okay. Right. But the family hasn't said anything which follows the pattern of what we talked about at the beginning of the show. But we have a clear timeline here. I'm not saying that she died from the shot, I'm not saying that. I'm saying she took the shot. She did not feel well and she is no longer with us. Those are the facts based on what her what she said when she was alive and what her family said. Right? Now, I wonder if a producer says the jab, tell them what the jab is, means a boxing in boxing. The jab sets up other punches, right? So when you have especially you have a person who has a very heavy right hand. What what they make them work on is utilization of the jab to one, either stun a person, blind a person, or a jab to the body that either take the wind out of you or they take your focus off of the the headshot. So when a person gives you a jab, that initially stuns you or blinds you. And then the bigger punch, usually the straight right hand, or a right hook, if if you're right-handed because you're jabbing with your left hand, comes in and gives you the blow. They can knock you out. So this jab, which we're telling people to avoid this jab, we believe is setting people up for a more stunning blow down the line. And I had talked about that with our wonderful producer and she was like, bring that out. Because I had forgot. I think we talked about that last week. But so. We see now based on the Midwin Charles case. We got some things to think about. Um, Marvin Hagler, we got some things to think about. Henry Aaron, we got some things to think about. Bill Gates and his history go to the DC Radical One uh OTW2 page. There's some there's some things put up there. The history of our interaction with the medical field. We got plenty of things to think about. From gynecology to heart transplants to vaccines. I think we've done a good job of showing visual and historical documentation to at least give pause to any open-minded person to do further research on making a life altering decision. So brothers and sisters, I think that we've covered everything that we need to cover don't forget again, March first, six PM. Brother Irritated Jenny is back. Y'all been asking for him, asking where he is. Was he up to? Now you know, and he's going to give you something that I'm sure is going to knock your socks off. And uh, Brother Crow said, Black Rob is in a hospital. Yeah, yeah, I remember Black Rob. I, I saw that. I saw that. No one, I haven't seen any, uh, no one seems to know what was going on when I saw that. He did not look well though, at all. I don't know what's going on. Uh Y'all send out positive energy to their brother Black Rob, the rapper that was on Diddy's label. I'm not going to lie, being on Diddy's label is bad for your health. I don't know any I can't think of anyone that's doing well financially and, and health wise that was around him You man, you got enough money to sign me to his level. But yeah, I saw that uh, information on black Rob and uh, uh, hopefully that brother pulls through. I'm not really sure what's going on with him. Um, So with that brothers and sisters, we think we're going to close this out again. I thank you all for listening. Don't forget to hit the like button hopefully you've already hit the like button already if you haven't hit the like button hit the like button don't forget to like don't forget to share don't forget to subscribe if you haven't subscribed get your friends to subscribe spread this information spread this because may not don't know how long this one's going to be up i'm going to download this one as soon as i get off of this um as soon as I get off of this broadcast, I'm going to be sure to download this one because I don't know how long this one's going to be up. And sister Simba said, uh, and even if we find an African doctor, have to watch out for them too, because they still follow rules of Western medicine. Yeah, unfortunately that's true. Oh, okay. Brother Allen said black Rob has several strokes and been homeless for years. Okay. Wow. Didn't know that. Wow. Didn't know that at all. That's, um, mm. That's that's uh that's unfortunate. All right, brothers and sisters. Well, again, thank you all. Like I said, don't don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Those of you that do not follow me on Instagram, follow me on Instagram at DC.radical the number one. Follow me on Twitter at DC underscore radical underscore O N E. The cash app is dollar sign. DC Radical One, all one word. One word, excuse me. Of course, this is YouTube, capital D, small c, Radical One. And you can email me at DC.radical underscore one at protonmail.com. And don't forget to go to OTW Tube to sign up to our sister Cindy's platform. Make yourself a profile and follow me there on OTW Tube at DC Radical One, all one word. Again, brothers and sisters, I Thank you all for joining me. Thank you all for all your support, for the monetary support, for all the things that you do. And with that, I say a B.B. for Hodier and straight black pride.
1: Blood individual.
0: Cindy On the wake up.